Greetings, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to Ruining Your Childhood, The Pitfalls of Nostalgia. Today, we had the pleasure of having a sit-down. Well, I guess I had the pleasure of having a sit-down. No one else came or was invited. I excluded everyone else. Um, So this was just me. But I had a sit-down with Smoke M2D6. If you are unfamiliar with Smoke's large catalog of music, I highly recommend checking out some of the production and engineering work as well as solo projects that he has and has put out over the years. Smoke has produced for the likes of Grayskull and Chicharrones, engineered for the likes of Open Mike Eagle and Aesop Rock. You can find him these days, soon to be at least, teaching a class on Ableton for the Bridge Foundation and producing for a plethora of different artists, one of which is named Orange Goodman. So make sure you stay tuned till the end and check out what Orange Goodman has got for you. You can check out links to Smoke MD26 and all of his catalog and all of his social media in the episode description. You can also find the information for Orange Goodman. Rather than me rambling on forever, We'll go ahead and get right into it. But I have to ask real quick for y'all, if you're listening, to go ahead and rate, subscribe, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. That is Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, you know, all of the above. We are trying to build the podcast here in our second month, and uh, we keep on climbing. Gotta thank you guys for listening. We're just going to continue to build and give you guys some really, really fantastic content. All right, here we go. Smoke M2D6. Hit it. I'll do the intro and everything, you know, later so we don't have to, you know, I'll let the the audience know who you are. But if you want to let the audience know who you are, who are you? Let's let's, let's talk about this. Who is who, who who am I recording? My name is Smoke M2D6. And I am a production android from the northwest region yes just like that sure. yeah i mean i so i was doing research so i realized that i was doing some you know recollection i think we met outside the midnight sun uh i don't think that we had booked you at that point i think you just showed up to like see what was happening in the local Olympia scene and i think i recognized you or something like that and we talked in an alley for a while and then you agreed to play the next concert but that was i think that's how we met was now, was that the show that we all went to that after party and you ate a carrot? You were just eating carrots while everyone was getting all. Well, you might have been drinking scotch too, but you were, you had carrots. You had a bag of carrots, and you were just like, "I'm just gonna sit here and eat a carrot." And IG88 was there. I think he was the scotch guy, and you were eating. I carrots. had cognac. I think that was my cognac phase, if I recall correctly. But oh, I I might nice. have had scotch too. But yes, I do have a slight recollection of just having carrots. I don't. Why did I have a bag of carrots? Why did? I don't remember why. You were just like I. You're like if I'm gonna be doing all this, like uh, if if you know, if I'm gonna not be taking care of myself or like you know going going hard at night, at least better have some carrots in me the next morning. Your logic was solid at the That's time. That's amazing because I, I completely solid. lost all recollection of that that logic probably the next day. You know, like. <laughs> But, but lo and behold, and your stomach, your stomach remembered. Oh, my eyesight's great. Uh, yeah, oh, the beta carotene levels in your Woo. blood, off the charts. Exactly. But yeah, I think that was the first first night, and I think, if I remember, I think IG played like a whole beat set in this like living room of this house, 
just just at random at like three in the morning off of a bunch of scotch maybe molly i don't know uh, yeah a little of all oh yeah column a column b column f you know yeah because that was the you know the people that were throwing the midnight sun were like you know the big oh yeah the big the guys that had all the the molly and acid and all that oh, stuff I, I remember all about those guys we could uh yeah okay we could yeah. talk we, about we, we won't mention <laughs> names you know yeah yeah so I went to high school with all the all the people that start that was throwing those parties and that were and that ended up, you know, dealing all those uh, substances allegedly uh, in uh, Olympia uh, during that time. So, yeah, I knew those people all too well. I kind of watched their downfall, so to speak, or just like the rise of their ego with like the drop of like a bunch of other things. I know that like a lot of people from the outside in the Olympia scene, I remember like talking to. Some of the dudes that were in, uh, it was at the the video we did for the All Your Friends Friends shoot, uh, the Jump Kick the Legs video. Uh-huh. But I, I remember talking to a couple dudes about Bellingham at that scene, and their uh, impression of it was ego because of that one dude. You know what I mean? And oh, dang! I see. I, I that's a connection that I'm just making right now. Like, yeah, because I always knew the one. You know, I I know they ended up in, or one of them ended up in Seattle. Well, one of them I think is back in Bellingham now, and I think he still he still makes uh. music. Uh, he was trying to do the festival electronica thing. If you remember, you know, like right around the time that I stopped hanging out with him and stuff, he was trying to do the the like I'm gonna throw my festivals and do like EDM shows and stuff like that. Yeah, right. I remember. Yeah. So yeah, the Midnight Sun was obviously the start of all that, and you know, he was just like, yeah, get. That was when dubstep was really big. I remember some of the first concerts that we played in Olympia were like at, at probably that same house that we partied at uh, with the carrots or one of them. Yeah. yeah but yeah, was. where a lot of, a lot of the shows were us rapping over dubstep because everyone wanted to listen to dubstep and we wanted to rap. Yeah. It was, that, that whole era right there actually um, from like 2011 to I'd say 2014, 15. I think it even started in 2008. Like, I think was when it really started to come up because it was like right after I got out of high school, I feel like. Oh, no, I'm I'm more talking about the Olympia, the whole Olympia oh, oh, yeah, scene. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, jumping into like where, you know, where the guy who we were not talking about yeah. um, started throwing those shows like that. That whole air, the whole time was just a crazy, crazy period for everybody. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of people trying to trying to do things in Olympia. It seemed like at, at one time. Uh, I was talking about this with Fresh Kills, uh, Toronto producer, who I, I was talking mm-hmm. to uh, the other day, and we were just talking about trying to come up and make music in that time. I think you you started making music in what was was the first production credit I found for you was in '95 on E Rock the Madman. Yeah. Is that is that correct? <laughs> that was that was high school. Yes. And so that's you in high school. I was you know I was looking at that. I was like, wait, he's on shit in '95. Like, how old is this guy? I was like, I am six years old when this album is released. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I just turned 42. So I was uh, that was that was like right. See, when I was in high school, I was in a media program, and I was all about it, you know, and. Uh, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with someone today too, with one of my cousins actually, whose son is trying to get into media production, or to get into music production, and she's like, "What school should he go to?" I was like, "School, <laughs> drop out." Yeah, 
<laughs> drop out and go live in a studio. 100%. There's nothing that will will beat uh, you know, in the actual internship and experience and and all that stuff. It's infinitely better. My media teacher actually during that time that in in that time I was producing in high school, that was her that was her advice for me, you know, cuz I was looking at going to Vancouver Film School, I was looking at LA Recording School, and she's like, "Save your money, you know, save that 40 Gs that you would you'd be throwing down and that was during you know that was during the 90s late 90s yep save the 40 g's and you know get your own equipment uh, and just start interning yep. you know go be around it and like because that's what you're gonna do when you get out of school anyway so i was trying to tell my cousin this today i'm like uh <laughs> have him go get a marketing degree and just get a computer and learn how to make beats that's 100 percent. if you know how to market yourself then and yeah then you're golden that's all because that's the the part that every artist needs to know at this point yeah and then ends up hiring out you know what i mean it's like a media marketing person is is a you know it's yeah it's crazy how important that is these days well not only that like having a skill to fall back on when you know it's not mm -hmm. totally i mean i think i feel like it took me till i was like 36 honestly to like make adult money off this you know yeah if i had some marketing skills to fall back on probably could have saved myself a lot of grief and heartache <laughs> yeah you know. yeah 100 percent. i mean you know with hindsight being 2020 I, you know i would have totally gone back uh buckled down like because i had good grades in school and then moved out or i dropped out of my my house uh you know i was homeless for a little bit then i had to get my own apartment and was selling uh weed and stuff to like make rent in high school you know high school just didn't seem as important and i was just like oh well i'm gonna do music and you know like i see money coming in and so like i don't think that like you know i was just like oh well i, I could just do this and settled mm -hmm. into a bunch of stuff stopped caring about school went from having you know a three point like nine to a you know 2.0 and then dropped out of high school and then didn't go to college now i'm in college and you know i have good grades again and but you know i'm like in my mid 30s and i'm like oh i should have just gotten a degree and like buckled down and then like been able to fuel what i wanted cuz the thing about money you know it's everyone's like or at least when i was a kid i was like oh well i don't want to be stuck on money cuz a lot of people you know you see that all over the place of people just being stuck mm -hmm. on money as if that's happiness but the fact is that money unleashes it, it just it allows for freedom you know what i mean so like when when I hear rich people and they're like, oh, you know, I grew up so rich and, you know, money can't buy happiness and stuff. And it's like, OK, well, why don't you just give away, give it away then? You yeah, know what I mean? What, what, why are you sitting there complaining but still hoarding everything and talking about how, you know, like. Here's my Bitcoin address. It, send it through. Seriously, dude. Like, <laughs> it's just like stop complaining about it because it what money is and the whole point of it is it's the, you know, it it is the the coin that opens the door for opportunity and stuff like that. You know, if you don't have to worry about money all the time, then you don't have to work 16 hours a day. Then you have, you know, an extra 18 hours out of the day to like do things that, you know, you love and stuff like that. So I, I, I just wish that I would have, you know, sucked it up, gotten some kind of degree and then been able to, you know, make money off minimal time. You know what I mean? And learn about passive income. Right. Like that's right. the one thing we should always be teaching our kids is passive income. But you know Oh, I'm that's that's definitely first on the list when they're old enough to understand that. Yeah. Do you have more than one kid now? I have two kids. Oh see. I have two kids. I have I'm in a yeah, that's a whole different whole different life now. Multi father. Still feeding them off of rap beats though. 
I mean, that's some shit right there. That's 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 the dream. That's that's what I was working towards. Oh yeah. So what I was what I was going to when I when I uh, pulled up E Rock to Madman uh, is that you know me and uh, Fresh Kills we were talking about just that um, coming up and trying to make music in this era when uh, it really was switching from digital to to I'm sorry from physical to digital, you know, media right. and stuff like that. And then it it was just it, it kind of fucked with a lot of stuff. You know, it like it made it so. At least for me, I remember like being super pumped that I put out my first mixtape and I was like, yeah, I pressed it up and stuff. And then I still have copies in my like mudroom right now that I'm yeah, that right I, that I need to go throw away because they're horrible mixtapes. And I pressed up so many and no one wanted it because they were just like, well, what's the download code? And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> like, wait, download code. <gasps> yeah. People, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was definitely an adjustment to make it first. Um, yeah. I mean, thankfully, I I do like the digital era of stuff. I mean, I you know, I still wish I had physical stuff to hold in my hands. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel very privileged to come from the analog time because, you know, some of the younger kids that I work with today, like, don't understand that, and there's like a whole like mentality that they miss out on. You know, like, oh, it's gonna, we're gonna, you know, make these albums and just put it out on Spotify and get famous. You know, it's like, no, it's not. That's not how it's gonna work. You know. Um, there's no like the the hustle's just different. It's a different sort of a hustle and mentality. And um yeah. coming from the analog era, you know, I like I have to set them straight a lot of the times. Like, no, you have to promote it. You have to, you know, spend money on videos and blah, blah, blah. You know, get get your merch game up and do all that. Merch is and, uh, important. It's yeah. a real eye opening experience for a lot of them when they first are starting out, like, oh. See, I miss the days and it, this is ironic in a lot of ways because I grew up with, you know, uh, the box. You remember the box network? Oh, yeah. And I, I used to sit in front of that all day. Um, but at the same time, even though I used to love music videos, I long for the days back when when you had a friend that would just like hand you a CD and was like, yo, this shit's this shit's hot. You know what I mean? And you didn't mm -hmm. you didn't know what they looked like. It didn't matter. Nothing about anything mattered uh, except the sound that was coming out. And yeah, it's so important to make music videos and stuff like that today. And then people are judging your authenticity and stuff like that and your right. image. And, you know, I understand that that's always been that at the forefront of the pop scene. But I do miss the days of I remember when in seventh grade, maybe end of sixth grade, when my buddy handed me 36 chambers and it was on a burned cop, like a burned CD. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? I just I had no clue what the hell I was listening to, but I was like being wrapped up in this journey. And and it was just it was amazing. Same thing with the uh, outcast. Um, you know, I didn't know what outcast looked like for first five years of me listening to them, probably just because before I actually got introduced to the box and stuff like that. But Right. And even even if you did watch the box, you know, they're not they're not playing outcast videos, you know, like not until. uh I think sorry, Miss Jackson came along, and and so fresh and so clean. They got a little bit of playing time, right? Well, yep. But you know, you never you never seen a players' ball video. Mm -mm. There is one, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I could probably look it up, but I'm not going to. I never saw the company flow videos, or like you know any of those independently produced videos, or. I only saw them because at the time, you know, I was we were old dominion and we were doing like a bunch of stuff with them or around their orbit not really with them but we we had a lot of um mutual peers yeah i guess you could say yeah you guys were doing independent hip-hop on the west coast in the northwest yeah 
and they were doing it in the Northeast. I was living in uh, I was living in Vancouver, and we were sort of like you know I was living with Sleep, and it was like because he was always touring mm-hmm. um, and staying at people's houses. There would always anytime like any act was coming through town, they'd stay at our house. Yeah. So I got to meet like a lot of those like typical cats and that's cool. You know all them dudes. The legends of the independent scene that like it's always funny like. Anytime I hear, like, I saw someone post about uh, uh, having, it was another podcast, they had Sir Menelek on for, oh. on a interview. And I was just like, I'm like one of the only people in my city right now that it's like, if, if everyone knew about this, I'd be like one of 10 people that cared. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, yeah. it's funny. But, I mean, they're legends in their own regard. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen um, a Sir Menelek video either. He got paired up next to Farrell Munch on a... Uh, a single by Rockus back in the day. So I mean, he was getting pushed, you know, for 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 being uh, you know, potential next big thing for a little while, but he never never got past Rockus. Rockus just did a really bad job at promoting their people. Listening to the whole history of Rockus as told through LP. Yeah. yeah. Was very interesting too. Well, and did you have you watched the Genius documentary, the cool, the Kanye? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um, so yeah, I've only I've watched two of the three parts. But Rockus had an opportunity to sign him, Kanye, and put out and put out College Dropout. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah, drop the ball. Dro- college dropped the ball on that one, son. What are you doing? Yeah, boosh. Rock uh, Rockus is is notorious for just fumbling. But was wasn't that um, Rupert Murdoch's son? That wasn't that his label. So I was like. Secret Ru- Rupert Murdoch money. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. I always forget about that. Oh, yeah. So you, you brought up uh, uh, rapping with Old Dominion, hanging out with Sleep. How did you, were you a, a founding member of Old Dominion? Or did you get brought in after they had been uh, doing stuff? No, I was I was definitely in the first, like, 10. The first 10 Old Dominion members at the time. The first three, well, our boy Ruben, who passed in, what was it, 99, renamed the whole group Old Dominion. So what there was, there was, they, at first they were SOS, Society of the Shadows. Okay. Um, and it was Oracle's Creed, which was Henri Osborne, Pale Soul, Sleep, and then a Portland group called Frontline, which was Snafu, NyQuil, and uh, Destro Destructo from Boom Bap. And... They became SOS, Society of the Shadows, or whatever. And it was just, my boy Ruben was always clowning on the name. He's like, this is whack. You know, it's just super mad. He's like, hey, I have I've, I've a name suggestion for everybody. You know, it's, uh, it's either going to be Silver Hell or Old Dominion. You know, everyone's like, oh, Old Dominion, that's tight. And, and that sort of like, that clicked. And then, you know, we were, at the time, we were, everyone was kind of like living in the same house. It was one of those situations where they were just like, 15 fools in a house oh yeah stealing electricity to make music with you know it was pretty pretty gangster and um i was you know i was in there during that part which is like you know where there was the six and then it was like 10 of us and then you know 15 of us and then really you know at the height of like old dominion doing their thing i think there was probably 23 that you could say were active but i was definitely in the the original tier you know when it turned into old dominion mm-hmm um, just not the Society of the Shadows part of Old Dominion. Nice. Yeah, I was trying to do a, a bit of research, a bit of deep di- uh, digging on Old Dominion and stuff, and couldn't necessarily find out who the original members were and stuff like that. So that's why I was like... I well, now you know. Now I know. 
now the world can know. If you were to say the first ten members, I think it, I think you could say it was like it's Henri Osborne, Pale, Sleep, mm-hmm. Snafu, Destro, um, Nyquil. So that's the six. And then you had um, after that, I'd say it'd be like Bishop I, Gash, me, JFK, obviously. That dude's nice. He's a he's a nice rapper. He's a nice rapper. He's a, ni- yeah. he's a nice you know, dude he actually, and nice with the bars. Yeah, he's he's super nice. And there was a time too where he went from like he was always super dope, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden he just started going like ham, just going crazy, you know, and like every verse that he was kicking, we were like, jeez, you know, mm-hmm. this is like that's probably a pre pre grade school by like a couple years, you know? Okay. So like two thousand I don't know, two thousand two, two thousand three where he just like all of a sudden just went nuts, you know, out of nowhere. And then, you know, he's just ever since then, he's like every time I hear him do something, it's even tighter. I was really up on Henri's stuff and thus Grayskull and, and, and JFK for a long time. But last couple of years, I just haven't been consuming media nearly as much as I was mm-hmm. before. I think also I lost my Facebook account. I lost access to my Facebook account and Facebook right. wanted me to submit a picture of my driver's license. You were like, nah, son. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, that feels weird to me. You know what I mean? I know that like there's pictures of me everywhere and my driver's license and pictures of recordings of my voice. I'm putting recordings of my voice up online so the FBI could easily have a, you know, they could track my voice wherever they wanted, you know, which we're, we're in a day where there is no anonymity. And for some reason, I was like, no, you know, I'm drawing the no, line I'm here. I'm not going to do this, Zuck. Yeah, fuck you, Zuck. Um, Zucky boy. And so I did not... Uh, so I lost my Facebook, but I lost, um, you know, all of the people that I had met through music uh, in touring for like 10 plus years. Like uh-huh. there are a lot of people that think you're dead if you're not on Facebook, like literally. They're I know. Just like, well, where have you been? I haven't seen you in forever. I'm like, I have a cell phone. I've had the same number since yeah. high school. <laughs> like I have an Instagram. You know what I mean? Like I'm all over a bunch of different places, you know, just because I'm not on your 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 Facebook feed, therefore I'm it's not some battling boomers on Facebook. Yeah, but you know, obviously, you know, I uh, a lot of people don't contact me, but I also don't follow a lot of the same things that I I think that I did on um that I used to, and one of them was I really was into Henri's music ever since. Uh, I think the 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 one that really clicked with me with him, or for me of his, I'm sorry. Uh, was uh, the, that second Dark Time Sunshine album. I think it was this, this second one, right? Anks? Yes, it was Anks. Why am I totally drawing a blank? I, there was Vessel was Vessel. the one that you worked on, and then yes. and then Anks was all... You didn't uh, engineer any of that one, did you? No, I had nothing to do with Anks, except I recorded I recorded a couple parts, but I mean... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mixed all of Vessel, and then Anks was Zeb who did the mixing. Yeah, and he, he's gotten really good, too. I listen to those those instruments. Oh, yeah. Zeb's, Zeb's the man. And he's from Chicago, right? No, Zeb's from Portland. Zeb, oh. or Zeb's from Zeb's from Seattle. He was actually... I'm sorry. I was mixing up You're thinking people. of Zavala. Yes, I was thinking of Zev. Yeah, not Zeb. Yeah, it's, it's the Z. Yeah, yes. Yeah, no, Zavala's from Chicago. He was... Uh, it was actually funny because Sleep was working on a project, and Sleep got a beat from Zavala hmm. through uh, the typical Cats guys, actually, mm-hmm. were, just that weird that I brought them up, and then now this is how it's all connected with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, typical Cats maker from Typical Cats, the producer's like, man, anytime he come through, he'd show me this dude Zavala's beats. And I was always like, dude, this this dude's sick, you know? Always just had kind of a sound to him. Well, Sleep did a song to one of his beats on one of his albums. I can't even remember now. It was a long time ago. 
uh, and Henri heard that and was like, who is that? You know, <laughs> I was like, oh, everyone's like, oh, that's Zavala, you know? And so like, Henri's like, yo, man, you know, let's, let's do a couple songs together. And that was the, they did that Believe You Me EP, which is the, actually the first Dark Time Sunshine album. And, uh, you know, ever since then, like, you know, they've been working on a bunch of stuff. I mean, they just put out a new album. Maybe, did you know that? I did not, no. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I have, like like I said, I haven't even been around been around the block anyway. Lore, okay. Yeah, it's it's oh. it's pretty dope. It's um See, that was 9 years ago that Angst came out. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it it's been a minute. And then technically, according to this Wikipedia page, it says that they had an album called Cornucopia, which was a limited edition tour CD. And that limited edition tour CD was uh was just basically the outtakes or the songs that didn't make the Believe You Me EP, I believe. Okay. Yeah, see, that's always one thing that, like, it took me a while to figure out. It's like, you record 26 songs for your album, but you don't put 26 songs on your album. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> and it uh, and it so turns out that, like, they don't record bad songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that's like, you're like, oh, that's horrible. It's like, that's doper than most people's keeper songs. Yeah. And it, it helps when they're original, authentic to themselves, and they, you know, are not inhibited by the idea of like sounding like something, or at least. And that's oh, all. Yeah, that's sure. all that, you know, my interpretation as a listener, um, not someone who knows them. Well, and I think the thing that's like so dope about Dark Time Sunshine is their new album sounds like it was made in the same era as their old albums. Mm -hmm. You know. And their old albums sounds like it was made in the same era as the new album. So it was like, you know, they're not like uh they're not trapping everything out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're just being dope. And you know, Zavala yeah. is just a dope like it actually when I was working on Vessel and I was mixing the album and Zavala brought all of his beats through and you know, they were all separated into Pro Tools, it depressed me for about a year. You know what I mean? Uh, as a producer where I couldn't really make a beat for a minute because I was like, dude, nothing will ever measure up to these beats, especially when you see how it's done. You know, like I'm like, this dude's combining like 17 different samples and like you think he's playing instruments, but it's all like him layering samples. So gangster and being so good with texture and like, yeah. And then, you know, knowing how to like play a baseline to it and just like kind of mind blowing, you know, and it, it took me, it took me like all of 2000 and, you know 10 pretty much is when we actually mixed the album and like it really took me like a year to get out of the funk where i was like okay you know like i'm never gonna be zavala so i'm gonna stop trying just go back to being me you know and uh it was a it was a real bummer for me you know <laughs> and uh rjd2's dead ringer did that for my buddy where he was yeah. like a really 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 talented producer definitely and like had a good following and then he just at one point in time was just like I, i'll never make a dead ringer and just was like, got super obsessed with that notion. And it was like, no, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, of course, you know, like if anyone that picked up the guitar was like, oh, well, I'll never be Hendrix and just put it down. I mean, that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? Like there's so much other good expression that can come. But it, that's one of those, uh, I can't remember what the term was in psychology. I think it's uh, upward comparison. Um, mm, yeah. Where you're comparing yourself to someone who's, you know, more talented than you, like it, and then uh, putting yourself down because of it. Right. And, and then, you know, the reverse of that would be downward comparison where you're, you know, looking at someone who has it worse off than you and then putting, building up your ego because of that. 
<laughs> right. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Those are two, two very commonly done things where it's like, you know, it's really easy to, you know, let's say, you know, you and I are both sports fans. Say you're watching DK Metcalf, you know, mm-hmm. highlights and you're just like, Jesus Christ, you know, like you're 42, I'm 33. And we're just like, this dude's what, 24 you know, and just right. like an absolute ridiculous specimen of a of a human being and can do things that, you know, we could never do. But, you know, it's very easy for people in our uh, situation to compare ourselves to that and then put ourselves down and be like, oh, well, look at my gut. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, <laughs> I'll never have a 27 inch vert. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, some of them. It's like 40 something inch vert was one of the ones that I was hearing about recently. Just some basketball, and players. I was just making that number up. I don't know. Yeah, no, basketball <laughs> players jump like four feet in the air. It's crazy. That's like not forty-eight feet. Well, I know DK. I've seen DK jump over stuff. Like he can. I think he has like a insane vert. Um, and I'll never be him. So I should just quit. I should just quit walking. Yeah, you should just quit yeah. altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit. Yep. Yeah, it's like oh no. well, I heard a biggie track, and you know, it's like well, I'm never gonna do that. So I just stopped rapping right there. Just, right. Just stopped. Yeah. But it, it, it definitely, I had to recover, I had to recover from mixing that Vessel album. Like, it really threw me for a loop for a while. I like, you know, I went from, like, running my studio as every hour of the day that I could yeah. to, like, I just went back into working full-time, like, after that for a minute. I'm, I'm serious. It was like. Yeah, I remember when, uh, the first time that I had Knucklehead, rest in peace, um, come over to my place and record, uh, he immediately, like, I, I showed him the beat and he was just like, like 10 se- he, like, listens to it for 10 seconds. He's like, all right, give me nine tracks. Mm-hmm. And like it just mapped out like you know a nine part, well it was like a seven part harmony in his head, with like two ad libs, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy shit! Some people just operate on a different level. Yeah, and yeah, you can't you can't uh, get bogged down by that. But I definitely I've had those those type of situations. Like especially I think, um, the biggest version of that artistically for me was freestyling. Right. Oh, right. Where it's right. like we all, we all started out, you know, because that's how I started the whole hip hop thing was just by freestyling with with my buddy Elliot Heaton. I haven't he- heard from him in ten plus years. Wonder how that dude. Did. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think I'm familiar. Yeah, he uh he dropped out of the. He wasn't like big into the hip hop scene. Uh, he hung out with the the Olympia kids and stuff like that. So you might have like seen him partying, but he he would come up and he would mainly rap freestyle at parties and stuff like that he wasn't like mm-hmm. an on-stage uh like writing artist but yeah we started out freestyling and then there was a big freestyle scene in the in bellingham and yeah uh, uh freestyling next to dudes like loci uh mike harris and there were some just extremely extremely talented mcs and you know the whole freestyling thing it's like it takes a lot of uh aggression and um ego but not not well okay, it takes a, a lot of aggression and confidence not necessarily ego but a lot of it bleeds right. over to ego and those people that are bleeding into that ego will take the confidence away from the people who are are more volatile you know yeah and so there's a lot of there's a lot of dunning kruger in freestyling yeah totally totally it's really interesting because i i wouldn't say that there are that many artists from bellingham that could be like big you know what i mean but at the same time there were Mm -hmm. like 10 dudes that could freestyle i swear with like the best of them when they were on it you know what i mean right not like ilmac level but you know what i mean they could they could hold it up you know and that's part of the thing about freestyling as well is it's that like moment that energy that's like right there Mm -hmm. and then when people try to 
uh, uh, monetize that, it just doesn't really work. No, not at all. You know, thesaurus. Do you know who the best freestyler <laughs> though is? That I'll still contend this to this day that I like that I know personally. Who? Bishop I. Okay, so yeah, I've never I've never met Bishop or uh, or, or or been in his presence, unfortunately. So so back in the day when battles used to be freestyle battles, he would like mop up everything. I mean, he's you know. Even like Ilmac, he's gone against Ilmac a bunch of times when Ilmac was like, you know, what, 16, 17, and still having to freestyle, you know? Yeah. And mopped up. Like, and this dude, like, he'll start battling himself in front of you, <laughs> you know, like, just like <laughs> totally destroy you in the battle and, you know, be so bored with all the other battlers that he just starts battling himself. And he's like, he's filthy like that. Yep. And um, I, hadn't see, I haven't seen him for a long time, you know, just like, whatever, life got in the way and. Uh, we, we, you know, we used to hang out every day, you know, and, um, so just recently we started like, we reconnected again and been like hanging out as much as possible. And, uh, he was freestyling, you know, we were, we were making him freestyle me and Henri and Zeb and dude, the dude still like kills it harder than anybody that I, you know, and I'm around people freestyling all day, you know, like yeah, everyone wants to come in here and freestyle and do it, do their thing, you know, and like, so I'm around a lot, you know, I'm a, I'm a con freestyle connoisseur, if you will. Yeah. You know, and I still, anytime I hear Bishop go for it, I'm just like, dude, yeah, yeah. that's n insane. Yeah, that's how it was with like with Lokai and a couple of those dudes uh -huh. uh, in in Bellingham, where it's just like they could really just. I think Lokai would probably be like the best freestyler out of anyone in Bellingham, uh, and then Knucklehead would be your your honorable mention. But I think he was from Tacoma originally. But Knucklehead uh, Tacoma, yeah, kn yeah, Knucklehead was. Fuck, dude, he 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 came into the Bellingham hip hop scene and was a professional the moment he stepped there mm -hmm. and held himself like a professional. Mm -hmm. And that dude was the nicest guy. I remember him like telling me stories about working on the on one of the, in, the amazing Spider-Man soundtracks. Like, and then he was telling me about like hanging out with Barry Bonds and Jamie Foxx and stuff and. <laughs> I wasn't really sure that I believed him at the time. Like, and then I saw on his Instagram, he was at a party and he, it's like a picture of him with Snoop Dogg and then a picture of him with Jamie Foxx and then a picture of him with Barry Bonds. And I was just like, dude, this dude's like, so like Oh yeah, this dude's like the truth. And it, he, he produced a song, I think for faith Hill. And then I think he passed away like right before or right after it came out. Oh man. Uh, yeah. It was super, super bummer. Yeah. He passed away in his sleep, but, um, um Rest in peace to Knucklehead. He's one of my one of my favorite dudes. He was the just one of those dudes where like as talented as he was, mm -hmm. he had no reason to like he believed in me more than I believed in myself. That's right. one of the things that I definitely struggle with is like a, a self confidence thing. Like I know I'm intelligent, I know I can do things, but like it ultimately it always comes down to a self confidence issue. Uh, yep. and that's just because of abuse that I experienced from uh you know, uh as I was a kid. And it's something that, you know, I'm dealing with and, and still trying to deal with. But that dude was super fucking nice to me and definitely, like, believed in me a lot more and, like, always wanted to collaborate and always wanted to work. And, and when I moved to Portland, I just stopped making music, kind of. Portland will do that to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I lived around Portland for a long time, like, even before, you know, my brief stint down there, um, you know, for the couple years I was down there before my daughter was born. But before then... It was like a whole different scene, you know, like, you know, it was inexpensive. It was way inexpensive to live in Portland, actually. And so that, of course, uh, you know, drew down all the 
all the weirdos and freaks and everybody that like wanted to make music and like the music scene was so much more um inclusive kind of and it's kind of weird because there still is like that old scene that is there it's just you know wicked wednesdays and it's like it's just a, a small shell of like what it used to be but also the scene is like way segregated now you know like there's people doing stuff, you know, yeah, you have you have your group of people, you know, from the north, we'll say, doing their stuff that we all know about. Um, but they are not talking to the people that are doing the stuff, you know, a little bit further south, you could say. Um, without like, you know, I'm not trying to name names or anything like that, but it's just super segregated. It's not how it used to be, where it's just like you go to a show, you see all the homies, everyone's, you know, everyone's doing some sort of crazy project you're running across like the most mind-blowing stuff every time that you go out um it's just not like that no more yeah i noticed that in seattle a long time ago uh in the hip-hop scene where it changed from uh let's support the scene to uh people are just seen as competition you know what i mean crabs in the barrel exactly and everyone all of a sudden it's everyone's competing for the same spot on the bill and thus does they don't Mm want to show love to each other and yep. you know they're not willing to like accept defeat uh, uh, cordially, so to speak. Right. That's a uh, that was. I mean, I you know I I grew up in the Seattle area. I went to Linwood High School, so mm. suburbs. But mm-hmm. um, I got out of I got out of Seattle as soon as I was legally able to um, age wise. I was like, nope, I'm out. Peace. Did you just I move to uh, the Portland area, or did you go? Because I saw you had some roots in Texas. That's where you recorded some shit or something. So I went to South by Southwest uh, on tour with Old Dominion okay. in 2000. Okay. Okay. And I didn't know what South by Southwest was at all. And at the time, it was a whole different thing. You yeah. Know, it was yeah, like yeah. A, just a, a college radio thing. Yeah. And I went there, and I was like, "This is this is wild. This is this is this is dope. I'm gonna move here." Mm-hmm. And so I basically. Um, you know, see, that was March of 2000, 2000, March of 2000, and I was living there, uh, or I, I, I went for my first, uh, my first stint there in September, or August of 2000, okay. and then I came back on September 10th, 2001, um, <laughs> for, a, for a couple months, and then, uh, and then moved back down there in February of 2002, and then was there until the end of 2000. Three, I think, and then I was down in Portland until 2005, and then Olympia from there on out until I moved back to Portland, and now I'm in Tacoma. And Tacoma's dope. I love. I'm 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 bummed that it took me so long to like figure that out. Yeah, Tacoma. Uh, one of my my like three friends that I have in Portland, uh, Golden Beats Thaddeus. His favorite Northwest MCs are all from Tacoma right now. Uh, who's he, who's he like? I don't want to uh, mis- oh, mis- gotcha. misquote him, but he's got a bunch of different people that he's working with. He showed me some stuff a while ago. I can't remember their names, but it all sounded really good. You know, um, I, w- I was pretty impressed with with everything that he's been working on. He's also just one of those people that's really talented. Like, I'll give him an idea for a beat or something like that, or he just he makes beats in ten minutes. You know what I mean? He's one of those. Right. He's one of those types where he could just crank shit out. I remember sitting. One of my favorite memories with him was uh, him sitting down and being like, "I want, you know, I've never made a new Jack beat before. Let me like make a new Jack beat." And he like goes and he just turns <laughs> I, on Bell Biv about Poison and he like listens to the, the rhythm and then he's like, "Okay, I got it." And then just like goes and like taps out the rhythm and stuff. And it's just like, it's just one of those types. But mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he'll be 
you know, I have, I have full confidence that he'll produce for some big artists one of these days because his production style is so versatile. Right. And, you know, it's just all about the mixing and the mastering. And once he gets there, I feel like he'll be, it'll be, it'll be on the level. Yeah. It was funny. So I switched over from my old, doing all my music production on my old 2008 iMac. Right. Uh-huh. So I was still using Ableton 8 and a bunch of bootlegged plugins and stuff like that. So I was pretty limited. That computer crashed recently. And so I switched over to a new laptop, got Ableton 11 and Ozone and Isotope and stuff like that. And so I've been fiddle- mm-hmm. fiddling around with it, trying to figure out some some stuff um, as far as mixing and mastering, like, you know, more of my own stuff or if I if I do want to make music. But uh, it was funny. I have this old project that we have like six songs and it's, you know, I, I have a fond place for it. But the beats have always seemed a little uh, flat to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then putting it in to, uh, like and, and opening up the visualizer, putting it into Ableton and opening up the isotope visualizer and actually seeing the dynamic range that the beat was producing. Mm-hmm. It was like everything was on like literally a, the whole beat was at 12 o'clock, just like, right. Just this fucking sliver. You know what I mean? And I was just like, Oh, no wonder uh-huh. I'm literally being pierced. I'm being pierced <laughs> in my ears. It was just one of those things where I, I, I like when an idea or like a feeling that you've had of a pattern and then you find it mm-hmm. and then you're like, Oh, see, like, ah. it doesn't, it does exist. You know what I mean? I was correct. Nailed it down. Yeah. I articulated that very poorly, but yeah, that's, no, I, I totally get it. I mean, besides beats, like beats, beats are my like my main thing right now in production. Um, but my second main thing that I'm doing a lot of is mastering. I'm doing a lot of mastering. You know, I bought a lot of hardware. I'm like doing that. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely learning about how it's like, you know, before where everyone, I was just cranking stuff up to 12. Everything was up to 12. You know, I'm like, yeah, woo. Yeah, know, yeah. Loud. Yeah. Like learning about like dynamic range and learning about gain staging and learning about how compression works is um it's been game changing for like just my understanding of, of how stuff works and I've gotten a lot of work since I've understood those things. But mastering, I I mean I love mastering right now. If I could, you know, uh I'm I'm trying to do more mastering work. Um, but sometimes everyone's everyone's kinda like, Oh, I can just isotope it and upload it and blah 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 you know and i'll i'll do a master form like oh geez you know it's like yeah it's a little bit different you know it's a whole different like it's kind of taking all that you know and applying it in a macro sense of, of things and it's pretty it's pretty dope i love it I, it's like definitely an area i'm passionate about and what i'll be doing probably when i'm not making beats anymore which is probably never but yeah i mean why would you stop making beats if you if you enjoy it you know what i mean if that's one of the things yeah. that you love oh it is i love it i mean it's like it's definitely and it's always been like that you know even since high school you know i was like I've, I've had an interest in making beats i set out you know i from high school to be like yo i'm gonna be a producer slash rapper you know i st- i mean i still rap i'm working on all sorts of stuff right now but that's just the, the rapping part i was just gonna ask you oh okay well i'm working on an album called villain machine i'm working on uh ep called quarantine heartthrob oh nice and i'm working on an instrumental album that i'm going to be working on with this dude who plays the piano really well who's like super classically trained and just nuts and um willing to go there nice as soon as i get these other two albums kind of done which i'm like you know they're like 90 97 percent there right now i just need to 
to get them finished. I'm really good at, at uh, getting 80% of an album done slash, you know, sometimes 95% of the album done. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it becomes a problem. Like for this, for instance, this album, I think it's been sitting around for like seven years. And mm-hmm. what I've been asking for for the longest time is to get the stems of the beats, right? Of, oh, of the production. man. So that stems me into, you know, that stems me into uh, the next question. Do you ever get like, as, as a person who's mastering other people's music, I you have to get some bad stuff periodically, right? Some really bad mixes. How how's that work for you? So, I mean, it's weird. I've gotten to the point now where even if the mixes are bad, I know how to like surgically correct them to the best of my abilities. Um, just because I've also, as a mixer, have gotten some beats that are already like mastered and already like crazy. And I know how to like breathe dynamic range into them. And also having hardware, it allows me to kind of reshape and re-sculpt the sound of the, uh, the shape and the sound of the beat. Hmm. Um, so even if I do get a bad master, I can like, I can freak it enough to where it's like, okay, this is totally, this sounds good now. But it is nothing compared to the projects I get that are well mixed. And if I spend most of my time taking that well mixed project and like then it further enhancing it, then it just sounds crazy when it's done. You know, it's like, and it's definitely like, you know, worthwhile having the good mix. Cause then as a mastering engineer, I'm adding to it. You know, I'm not trying to fix it. Um, but there is a lot of fixing that you have to do, definitely. And I think now, uh, especially like more more recently, if I'm like super just honest with the person who's turning in the master to me, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> these here are some mixing notes that I I have for you. You know, could you please make those adjustments, um, or else it's just not gonna sound good. You know. Yeah. And a lot of times they're like, oh, okay, you know, because like yeah. everyone has the everyone's kind of doing it in their own room anyway. You know, so. It's not like they have to go back to a studio facility and, you know, redo the stuff. And usually the stuff that's coming from the studio sounds good, so you don't have to worry about that. It's just the people that, yeah, could you, could you get back in Ableton and, you know, turn down your kick drum 15 decibels. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to make my compressor work right there, and it just didn't. I'm sorry. Compress. Yeah, I get a lot of, you do get a lot of stuff that is like, oof. You know, and sometimes they're just like, no, no, that's that's what we're going for. No, that's like, what I right, want. cool. They're like, oh, all right, all right well, we'll smash it out then. Yeah, we will smash this burger. We will. Mastered by Little Baghead. Don't forget to say that. Little little baguette? Or- little baghead. Little baghead. Okay. Okay, guess who's back? I am back. Speaking of, you know, you were talking about uh, how the Dark Time Sunshine album, that is not catered to like the sound of now. It is authentic to what they want and, uh, you know, their art. Uh, artists that don't do that, that, that cater to the, the sound of the now, uh, Eminem. So bad. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I can't do it. Whenever I hear people that are just like, oh, he's just the greatest rapper ever. And I'm just like, well, yeah, he, he, he is in like all of the technical sense of the word right the greatest rapper alive right but like do i want to listen to his music no i do not have i wanted to listen to his music in the last 20 years nope nope it was like when yeah. i know this is probably unpopular it's like when uh buster rhymes new album came out you know oh yeah all my old school friends are like 
this is great. He's back. You know, like I went to listen to it. I'm like, sounds like a throwaway album from 99. You know what I mean? Like, this is not really, it's not even like good Busta by, you know, Busta's whatever. I don't know. I don't know if you if you like that album or not. Uh, the last thing I heard from him was uh, with with a twerking the twerking song, twerk twerk. There twerk, was twerk. there was one Jamaican song that he did that was tight. He did he did it with a different um uh he did it with a different with some artist. I don't know. I don't remember. And it just came across my whatever I was streaming whatever on, and I was like, this is this is dope. And then I went and investigated further. I'm like, this is not dope. This is not dope. Yeah, I mean, I remember Busta. At least after the first couple albums, I just remember there being like you could find some good stuff on probably each one of his albums, like maybe a song. Right. Oh, the the one you were talking about was Extinction Level Event, Wrath of God, or ELE Two. Yeah, and and <laughs> just I don't f- listen to albums like that that are no. <laughs> that are the sequels to an album that came out twenty years ago that was really no. good. Not like I'm not gonna listen to the Marshall Mathers LP Two. I'm not gonna listen to ELE Two. And I mean, you look at this track list, and the track list is absolutely stacked. I mean, you got the the intros got Chris Rock, Rockem, and Pete Rock, and then you know you go you go down, you got MOP, Bell Bib DeVoe, you got Minister Louis Farrakhan on a track. You got, he bought an old dirty uh, bastard verse. Anderson Packs on it. Uh, Rhapsody, Mariah Carey. Like dude, this this shit is crazy stacked as far as like featured verses. You got Kendrick Lamar on it. But then, but then you start listening to it, and you're just like, okay. He got a Dilla beat. Well, it's you know, Dilla and Pete Rock on the str- on track three, right? And then yeah, he's got a bunch of Knots beats, and you know, it, it's like this should be good. It should, but it just, and and I don't know. I kind of look at it like like you have all the money in the world, and that's that's what you did. You know what I mean? Like that's the product that ended up coming out. You know, like it's kind of a kind of a bummer to me. You know, and like I guess. Two, as someone, you know, I don't remember if you said it on or off the record, but you say you don't consume that much media. Um, I'm the opposite. I am uh, straight. Like, I anything that's coming out, I'm absolutely listening to it. I go on these, you know, long walks every night to, like, in between my, my work sessions pretty much. You know, after I get my kids to bed, I take a nice, like, hour and a half, like, walk um, around my neighborhood, and I listen to anything that I want to. You know what I mean? And... um of course, you know, I have my, you know, I have my Spotify trained, you know, trained immaculately, like, this is what I want to hear. And, man, there's so much good stuff out there that, like, I just don't have time for that, like, you know, kind of old, not old, but it's just like, it's stale, you know? It's like. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't want to go, I don't need to go backward, like, to 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 achieve something, like. I think you and I are both in the similar uh, uh, field of thought where just like we both love golden era hip hop, but we don't need it. You know what I mean? No. Like we, we're not. We're, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, hip hop is dead now. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> if you if you equate it to hip hop to rock music. Right. The golden era of hip hop, the boom bap era of hip hop. It is the six, the late 60s of hip of rock and roll. Right. Right. And then it got massively corporatized after that and everything went downhill and it split off into hundreds of subgenres and now you know you went from you know nwa to uh you know takashi 69 or whatever but the essence of the hip-hop is still there and it's still it's like people sampling music that they grew up on you know what i mean and it just doesn't have yeah, right it, it's it's a uh, 
I like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think that there are there's a lot of danger to a lot of things, like when you, when you take the wrong elements of hip hop and then uh, glorify them and then build on it. Like, you know, I, I definitely see musical like some I understand why some people like the little peep and the, you know, triple X tenacion and that whole genre. But there is just so much content or so, so much dangerous ideology that's pushed in it. And it, it's it's like even more hyper masculine somehow than like early 90s rap is. Oh, and oh, yeah. Totally. And it's and it's more violent and it's more glorifying of doing hard drugs like all at right. the same time. And it's just like, dude, this is not good for people. Like, I really hope that people don't idolize this. And it's like really popular. You know what I mean? Right. And it's so that that's a that's a little terrifying. But uh, you see the same thing in rock music. I mean, with, you know, the, the metal scene definitely bled that way mm -hmm. where there was the hyper violent stuff. Most definitely. But I do I do uh, listen to a lot of music, not as much as I want to. Like I feel, I've been noticing that on Spotify about probably a year ago is like the algorithm started to to really do echo chamber stu type stuff where I, I was really getting some good uh, suggestions on new stuff. And now I'm not really getting those suggestions anymore. But I listen to I mean, as far as like new rap and stuff, I think the, the Griselda dudes are really good. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I love me the, the, the Kendrick Lamar. I think Kendrick's great. But, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of how do you feel about like Earth Gang and J.I.D.? Uh, I like Earth Gang. Uh, I, I, I like JID as well. I like uh, JPEG Mafia. I mean, I I I bumped uh, that one Earth Gang album real hard for a summer. So right, there's a lot of really good stuff. The thing about uh, Earth Gang is they 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 put out sometimes three albums a year. You know what I mean? Like their output is insane. And then and you know I went through actually one of my friends was showing me. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was a so some new album that's that's on the their label, um, and JID is all over it, you know. And so like I was like, well, that's really good, you know that that's really dope. Um, and so I, I I did a I did a playlist where I just you know I'm like I just pulled up some JID stuff. Mm -hmm. That guy I don't I don't know who is Spillage Village by the way. That's the album that I'm talking about. Um, oh yeah 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 I know that one. Yeah, uh, and so I started listening to a bunch of JID stuff. He's had a couple of verses over the years that I've been like, dude, that's crazy, you know? Yeah. Like some of the only verses I've been even rewinding, he's just snapping right now. He's he's going off on everything, you know? And like if you just pull up a playlist and listen to like his features and then zone out. Don't even like don't don't even be listening to it. Nine times out of ten, all of a sudden you're like totally gripped by, you know, how he's rapping and what he's saying and, and all that stuff. And um I totally appreciate that stuff, you know, because that's not like mm -hmm. I don't really come across that too much anymore where I'm just like, yo, this dude's like anything that he's on, he's slaying him. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting uh question that I that I I, I talk about regularly. Uh who do you think the greatest feature rapper ever is? So I, I I mean, it's hard to put, you know, a singular, but the one that always comes to mind for me is it was is ludicrous. And it, this was in watching the um uh, the documentary for uh kanye and you know they're doing all the, mm -hmm. the showing mm -hmm. showing the the recording sessions for college dropout but ludicrous it's like that dude i don't i don't necessarily like his albums 100 percent through and through but like you want him you want him to come on to a track and just ruin it and that dude would whew. he's he's the guy definitely um i was having this 
conversation with myself actually today <laughs> when I was thinking about if I could get like yes. the, what, the ultimate feature. Exactly. Yeah. I can't remember who the third one was. I was like, I definitely would like a, a Kendrick, uh, JID, but like there was somebody else who just always ruined stuff for everybody. And I can't, I'm just totally drawing a blank because uh, way too much going on in my head. It's always funny how you put MCs on posse tracks and there's like always one that shine outshines like the other ones. Like I feel like Kendrick, you know, he's you put him on a posse track and he's probably going to kick everyone out. Right. Uh, same thing with LP. It's like LP. You yeah. don't really think about him as being like necessarily one of the dopest rappers out there. But like that dude, you put him on a posse cut and it's just like, oh, shit. Yo. Like, yeah, what did no, he just no, I... say? Like, oh, God. You know what I mean? It's, filthy it's filthy lp you know that was definitely one of the the things i remembered you know just sitting there fantasizing be like oh what out like if i could get five feature verses like what would they be and i think back when i determined it like red man scarface lp mm-hmm. ludicrous and uh you know someone else i can't remember but that was those are I, I would kind of stand by that. I mean, Scarface is still one of my favorite rappers to this day. Dude's oh, for sure. Whew. For sure. No, Scarface, I mean, but Scarface is not like, Scarface ain't that dude who's going to just wreck rap. You know what I mean? Like, he'll come on there and like, you know, he'll speak his piece about something and it'll be like super dope. But then you have someone like Kendrick after him and it'll be just like, you know, inventing, new, inventing a new cadence and way of talking every time that he raps. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know who you know who I think would be dope on a Kendrick track is I want to hear what Pharaoh would do. What Pharaoh Monch do? What would he have to say about all that? Uh, did you listen to his newest project, The Thirteen? Uh, I will say, you know, he has a band behind him, but it, you don't know that it's a band behind him at all, and uh, it's it's great. I'd say it's like I'd say it's right up there with some of his organized confusion stuff, and he's it's it's kind of dark and great. A perfect day for an exorcism. I would love to work with Pharaoh change that change that beat selection thing you know what i mean like i have worked with aesop rock before on a track uh with with xp but i'd like to really do an album with him who else uh of course you know i mean i would i would love to produce an earth gang album too that'd be sick uh they're kind of like my new outcast to me you know what i mean like they gave me the same i, I have the same like I like them the same amount as I liked Outkast back in the day. Even though I'm not saying they're Outkast, but they give me that same feeling. You know what I mean? That that same like kind of um, like oh yeah, I'm, I'm way into just anything that they do. You know, and like it's it's pretty dope. Um, so that, I mean that would be a that would be a big huge one for me. They're my new Outkast. Yeah, I, I like them. I like them on that level. Um, I really would like to. I also, you know, love to do some stuff with like Bad Bad Not Good. Uh, maybe some Flying Lotus, mm-hmm. way into them. Uh, I'm also just recently got into Decca. I've never been into Decca before. How do you spell it? D E C A. Okay. Yeah, and I've seen that spelled. He, or just a, it, it, I thought it was just an instrumental group, but it's like just one dude. And I've just heard his instrumentals, and now I kind of went down the rabbit hole of listening to him rap, and I'm way into. I, I like what he does. Um. So I, you know, would like to work with him. There's somebody else too who I'm. Oh, Cambada, I would love. He's like, do you have you ever heard any Cambada? How do I spell that? C A M B A T T A. Cambada. 
Okay. Cambada. All right. I got it. Did I spell that right? No, you did. Um, okay. See, I appreciate, uh, I always need, you know, new stuff to listen to and it's. I, you know, I, I don't want to talk him up too much. I want you to hear him for yourself. Mm-hmm. He, now he's more of like a, you know, if you're an underground head, you'll like fill him off the top. You know what I mean? And like, he says so much, so many things that are just like mind blowing that you're like, what in the, here's this whole thing about, um, here's this whole song about Tupac getting murdered and like. The way that he, you know, he's being interviewed as someone who murdered him, and it's just like, I don't know, it's just one of some of the stuffs that your your jaw's dropping to the floor by the time you're done hearing him. You know, once you start going down that Cambada hole, it's like there's not, there's nothing that he does that is like not just phenomenal. You know what I mean? Like not just crazy, mind blowing, whatever. And um, you'll definitely. You're, you'll trip out, I'm, I'm sure of it. I've been trying to. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, like I, I was saying, the Griselda dudes. Um, but I haven't been listening to them as much lately. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Larry June. Oh, yeah. Um, just really feeling that, like, he's like, have you ever heard, have you ever heard of King Fantastic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he sounds like King Fantastic, but, like, too short, like, too, you know. Right, he's a on, little more he, thuggy. Yeah, he's on that modern too short tip where it's just it it's yeah. really good vibe music you know what i mean where i'll just i can i can turn it on in the car and just drive other than that i mean maxo creme he's really good cream i think uh-huh. I, i'm probably you know i i sound very white as i'm discovering Ma- all maxo cream maxo cream uh no that dude's dope he's got some really good uh really good bars oh yeah and then there's a lot of nostalgia stuff i, w- I went back and listened to pm dawn and <laughs> you know, my, my Miami sound machine and stuff. But yeah, uh, right. in this podcast, you know, I have to consume a good amount of media because part of the, you know, probably most of what we talk about is media. You know, right. I, I talk about how I, I think Peter Jackson is potentially the worst director of all time. Uh, nice, nice, nice little hot take. Yeah, uh, it's very hot. Some people really don't like it, but I think that spicy. My my to summarize that take, it is essentially that um, he worshipped the books to a point to where he made movies of his recollection of the books, right? Rather than a movie of the books, right? So he okay. had this whole like perception and everything. And like all of the characters are very godly in his eyes, and you, it, it, I don't know, man. It just it's a bit much. And King Kong is probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. So. Okay, but how how do you feel about Meet the Feebles? I don't I don't know what that is, and I'm scared. Oh, Meet the Feebles. That was um, Meet the Feebles. The Feebles. Oh, okay. This is '89. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, but that was like Peter Jackson. I think it was one of his first things. So. I've always had it. I'm not a fan. No, but this is this is different. <laughs> Trust me. Like, this is a like a he's doing kind of like a dark Muppets thing. Kermit the Frog is like a strung out heroin addict. Vietnam vet. It's great. You have to watch it. Watch parts of it and be like, maybe I could be into this. Maybe I could not. I'm not trying to. Uh, not trying to sell you on Peter Jackson, by the way. Well, it's like when you, when I actually go back, you know. I mean, the Frighteners. You know, I, I mm-hmm. you know, not a bad movie. He's got some stuff. District Nine. I mean, I know he did. He, he's only a producer on that, but uh, I just know that the Lord of the Rings trio is a bit much, and then the Hobbit trio is like the worst thing that you'll ever see in your life. And then 
King Kong is really bad too. And I know that the Get Back uh, documentary was, you know, it's, it's good. Right. But I just feel like he's taking on projects that are just like easy at this point. Right. Probably. I'm. You know? I I agree with you. Like I said, I'm not I'm not a Peter Jackson defender. I'm saying yeah. there's Meet the Feebles. Yeah. Which is great. Well, and then um, you know, like I'll, I'll I'll bash on George Lucas as well, but at the same oh yeah all day. But at the same time, you know, you can't knock that he helped create like a lot of great things. But I just always found it funny that he completely denied any influence from Dune. But there's like <laughs> right. he's like no, absolutely not. There's spice in <laughs> both worlds, and it does the same thing. And one came out earlier, and he didn't change the name. Right. Well, it's like uh, when I first got into fantasy books, I um I didn't I didn't I never read I didn't read Tolkien. You know, I, I always knew about like The Hobbit. Yeah. You know, from you know growing up, but I I got way into Terry Brooks, who wrote this like whole Shannara series of fantasy books, right? Yep. And so I went through the whole series. You know, like oh this is great, it's really creative, blah 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 blah. And then I read Lord of the Rings and was like, oh my god, this is a direct just knockoff, <laughs> like. Straight up the same story, pretty much. I mean, you know, Shannara had the Elfstones and not the ring, but it was kind of the same kind of concept. It really bummed me out, actually, after I after I read uh, Tolkien. I was like, oh, Terry Brooks straight up bit this. A lot of that in the in the fantasy novel world, where it's just like, I feel like a lot of it is similar. Did you ever read the, the Wheel of Time series? It's one that has always kind of been in my queue, but I've never actually got around to rocking it out well, i mean it's you know you're looking at like probably twenty thousand pages all in all yeah. to like consume all of the books i want to say i ain't scared i remember so going back to the crazy parents thing one of the things that they did when i was a kid um well my dad got married to my stepmom stepmom grounded me i wasn't allowed to listen to music or watch tv or anything so all i was allowed to do was read books and so I, I read a lot of uh, books. And so, you know, I read the Lord of the Rings series. Um, but The Wheel of Time was was one that I got pretty into. I think I read 12 of the books. And then I just stopped. But they just released that uh, series on Amazon. Really? It's decent. You know what I mean? Yeah, they released, okay. they released one season and they just got renewed for a second one. It has really intensely complex ideas in it in some ways. Or maybe they're not complex. I'm not even really sure. They're just really intricate. I guess maybe it's not complex. It's just really intricate. But there's a... It, it, I don't know. I thought the show did a decent job. Uh-huh. I didn't watch all of it. Once again, it's just like I've started... This is going back to that whole thing I was saying about you know consuming media. I'm having a hard time uh, watching shows, I think, is is the biggest part about it. Unless they're like really bad shows. Like Selena and I watched Love is Blind, you know? It it was it was really good. My my lady my lady is way into that right now. She's watching it like it's really every good. night. It's really good. It's horrible in a lot of ways, but it is so human in so many ways that it's just like ridiculous. That's where, then, that's your jam. I, I don't even know. So what happened was one night I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up and Selena was watching you know some shitty reality show and then I just got sucked in via spite watching and i was just like what the hell uh, is this you know and then all of a sudden you've watched three episodes and you're like angry and you're like what the hell i hate these people and then all of a sudden you're like okay I'm done. it's like <laughs> heroin you know right i i know that the couple times yeah, i'm usually like walking past her watching it you know because i i also have to work at night sometimes yeah yeah and so i i actually i haven't watched the only show that i actually watch is a uh, 
football on Sundays during football season. Do you have any other team affiliations besides the Seahawks, or are you? Just... Nope. They, they 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 take up all my bandwidth. So you are de- are you devastated at this point? No, I'm stoked. You're stoked for no one. No, no, no. I'm, I've been I've been wanting this uh I've been wanting this abomination blown up for like two years, three years. Especially because I'm so into like you know, I have a, I have a friend that writes for Sports Illustrated actually. Okay. You know he has a whole bunch of information he has for a long time just about like sort of the inner workings of how things are going on. Totally. And uh, you know I'm definitely I, I'm happy I'm I think that uh, we've been being held back, which is funny because the narrative is like no, to see Pete Carroll's holding Russell Wilson back. It's like no, 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 Russell Wilson can't see the middle of the field he's he's all glory hound you know like he's that was he always the to... issue with him right that's why the the you know richard sherman and stuff didn't like him back in the day right supposedly pete carroll had a philosophy philosophy okay um that everyone bought into until they saw you know russell getting treated different and that's what created a lot of the animosity you know they they thought they thought he wasn't accountable mm. and uh you know according to a lots of you know a lot of information that I have about stuff, you know, like he's kind of uncoachable, wouldn't wouldn't listen. And if you watch the games, you'll see that it's like, you know, in order for his Pete's philosophy to work, everything has to be kind of um, synergistic, you know. And with Russ in his current form, he's just straight up, he's scoring too fast or he's scoring not at all, you know, and like it keeps the defense on the field way too much of the game. And uh, I'm way more... Seahawks is my love is blind for sure for sure it's it's I shouldn't at this point I shouldn't be like into football as much as I am but it's like the one thing that I'm just like way into it's like the most entertaining tv to me so I watched uh the playoffs this year and I think it was the first time I watched football since the Super Bowl where Tom Brady beat the Falcons that came back you know that ridiculous comeback yeah but I kind of just started boycotting uh, football, just like I was like, I don't have the time for this. I don't really care. I think it was a mixture of the game, the rules changing a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And the morality of it. There's that moral conundrum that, you know, it, right. re- realistically, though, you dig into anything and you're going to find the moral conundrum. But there's a lot of the, the shadiness of, you know, the the operations of the NA, NFL and all the, all the crap. But I know way too much about the NFL just because I listen to a lot of sports casts and stuff. Right. Sports podcast. And so I was telling my mom, I was like, yeah, Russell Wilson's done. Like he's, he's, and this is you know, like halfway through the season. She was just like, what, what are you talking about? No, there's no way that, and seeing a lot of people be like, no, there's no, what are you doing? I, ju- I don't know. The writing was on the wall for years. And like you said, you know, you, you've been hearing the same things right, from, from different sources. Mm-hmm. And we were, I, I'm in a, I'm in a discord group, you know, a, a discord Seahawks group. Mm-hmm. We've all been rooting for it. Like, you know, we wanted him gone last year. You know, we we're like, yeah, you know. And uh, after after the 2020 performance he had, where he came out the gates just guns blazing, you know, just he was like passing it all over the field, going crazy. And then the second half of the season, he like literally couldn't complete a pass. Like he was just, you know, like yeah. he was just, it was it was awful. And uh, the only thing he was trying to do was hit these like 80 yard bombs every play, you know. And it's just like you could see you could see like the change in him. And, um, he started lacking the humility that he needs to be good in the system, you know. But whatever, that's just that's just me. So I've I've been ecstatic the past couple of days. Like these have been the most. This is the most alive I've felt as a Seahawks fan for <laughs> a couple of years. You know, like I'm just stoked that they're just they're just going for it. They're ripping the bandaid off. Pete Carroll's a builder. He's not a 
his system works when he's building it, not when it's established and it's matured, you know, like yeah. he's, he likes to have the, the youthful energy in there. And uh, I'm glad that they're going back with that. Yeah. Russ is not the youthful energy by any means. No, I have a theory and I'm not really sure, but I don't really know if Jody Allen and the Vulcan group are trying to sell both of their franchises or they're just bad. Right. And so it makes sense if you get rid of Russell Wilson, you know, you get a bunch of draft picks, you get rid of Bobby Wagner, you get rid of, this is what a lot of businesses, sports teams do right when they're about to sell is they get rid of their payroll, have their payroll mm -hmm. as small as possible, and then they get ready to sell. The Seahawks selling would be huge news, especially when, you know, the, the Broncos are just about to sell. But, you know, and the Broncos are actually doing the opposite where they're taking on a bunch of payroll, but. They're trying to, you know, we have a franchise quarterback now. Yeah, you know, that's, like... that's the other way, you know, you go with it. But they're kind of doing the same thing, you know, the Vulcan group, and they're doing similar things in with the Trailblazers right now. And they have, I don't know, the Trailblazers are one of the worst run organizations in the, in the NBA. And I follow a lot yeah. of NBA stuff. And it's like, there, there are a lot of reasons that go into that. One is that they can never land a free agent, right? There's something about, there's a lot of things, you know, it's just the fact that, no one wants to live in Oregon. Oregon has really high luxury tax. Uh, I think that's realistically the biggest issue. But right. you know, they have just been doing such a such a poor job managing it for a long time. And then there's so specifically for Portland, the lease of their stadium is up in 2025. Uh, it is right next to I five, and they just approved an I five expansion. So what does that mean for the stadium? Like. There are a lot of signs that point towards uh, Jody Allen and the Vulcan group selling the Blazers. And I'm wondering if that means that they go all in on the Seahawks or if, you know, they kind of try and do a similar thing over there. But I, I, I don't know. I think the Seahawks is like one of the most profitable NFL franchises that there is. But, you know, I mean, here's someone who's never ran a sports franchise all of a sudden in charge of two of them. You know, like I think that she probably not like her passion in life you know like like it was paul allen's totally totally so yeah no i'm i'm sure i'm sure that both teams are up for sale you know if you're thinking about it properly yeah which is which is probably good for both franchises realistically because i i don't think that it's it's really hard for me to see either team winning a championship under this regime like in in for the blazers they hired chauncey billups uh-huh they fired Terry Stotts. They hired Chauncey Billups. Mm. When Chauncey Billups has like rape stuff that they're talking about, you know, allegations from back when, but still they, they decide to hire him anyway, regardless of the PR. Then they fire their general manager partway through the season. Now they have a lamed up coach. They have, it's just like, it's all bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I don't think the Seahawks, I don't think the Seahawks is, is that situation at all, though. No, it seems like they got a good, a, a, a at least they got a potentially a restart to their franchise with all of the picks and stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll are running the team. Good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I think that there's, there's that. I, I don't think that they're cleaning house and trying to empty the salary, you know, empty the payrolls to sell by any means. I don't think that's what this is, but I mean, and you know, you know, you know, Basil's will end up owning the Seahawks anyway when it's all said and done. I'm surprised he hasn't. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him uh, purchasing 
Washington, you know, the commanders. The commanders? Uh, yeah, because, you know, I see him purchasing the Seahawks before that. Yeah. And then, you know, the Seahawks would be ran like a Whole Foods and it'll be just horrible. Yeah. Just there'd be no uh, employees in the stadium. Right. No, nope. it would just nope. be everything would be automated and there'd just be facial recognition scanning. You know, like you only get two toilet flushes per per game. Yep. Yep. You and know, one, on your on beers. your automated. The cameras are going to be facially recognizing you. And they, oh, no, nope. yep. you're just going to have to pee into the trough now and we're not going to empty it. Troughs, dude. Trough peeing. Just such a I hate trough pee. It's disgusting. What's the deal? It's gross. I don't think I've trough peed since COVID. It's 2022. Why are we still trough peeing? You know? No. Or are we? I refuse. Have you ever been to like the fancy part of um of CenturyLink Field or Lumen Field or whatever you call it? No, I've, like I've the never, boxes. I've never been in to the stadium. Okay. I've only well, been around. So you can trough pee all you want in the in the peasant sections, right? Of course. You know? But then you go to like then you go to the box seats. And there's ne'er a trough to be seen, and they serve truffle fries, and they have like you could buy liquor up there. It's it's insane. the The bathrooms are carpeted. Why would you carpet a bathroom? It doesn't make any sense to me, but That's, they do. There's pee splatter. Okay, that is. It's a flex. It has to be. There has to. They. You know. There. There's some sort of a flex that I don't understand because it's like above my socioeconomic range, you know. No. But me, you know. No. Me, 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 the normal person, like, yeah, the pee splatter. Oh, I don't, no. I don't get it, but let's, let's splatter some pee on this carpet. That's what you get. My buddy in high school, he got to house sit some really nice houses uh, because of the synagogue he went to. Uh, his dad had, you know, doctor friends in the area and they'd go out of town and they'd have uh, my buddy Joel take care of the place. And I remember staying in this one spot that he was at. Because uh, he, he would always call me up and be like, yeah, come on over. And, and so this one spot had a movie theater in the basement. You know, you had to walk Sick. through the wine cooler to get to the movie <laughs> theater. And it was just ridiculous. But the bathroom, this this was the flex. This is like, if you got money, it's not about carpeted bathrooms. It's about heated floors. Okay? Right. Heated floors in your bathroom. And then it gets warmer, like, as you walk up to the toilet. And, like, it's warmer around the toilet. And, like, that's a flex. Okay. So that the floor is like gradient heating. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was. It was ridiculous. It was like they knew, you know, it was intuitively designed as to where you are going to be standing the longest, and those places were the warmest. That is. That's pretty hard. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't want that at CenturyLink because, you know, that's assuming you'd have bare feet, and then right. No, that's hopefully that's, you're not that's... barefoot in a public restroom at a, at a yeah. where, where there's, there's, there's a lot of judgment. A lot of judgment that you're lacking there. <laughs> but the truffle fries are the things that really pissed me off because, like, you know, up in the up in the nosebleeds and all the places that I've been able to afford in CenturyLink, you get the garlic fries. Garlic fries are cool, you know. Garlic fries are the most they're the most overrated thing ever. They smell really good. They are never like when they're done well, they're done good. But that being said, I don't know if I've ever had good stadium garlic fries. Man. But the stadium Parmesan truffle fries are out of control and they don't serve it with ketchup they serve it with aioli okay oh yeah and you're just dipping in there you're able to walk up there and you know like in the peasant sections you're you're able to buy like a bud light you know yep. in these sections they have like top shelf scotch and liquors and stuff and you're like yeah it's back to the scotch how much is the scotch though probably like 40 bucks oh, i didn't order any scotch there last thing i want to do is drink scotch at a seahawks game i just it's just not like they're still going to serve it to you in a plastic cup you know what i mean like yeah 
you're not even going to be able to enjoy the scotch for what it what it is. I mean, I assume if you're in a box, hopefully you're getting a glass cup. No, no, there it's Jesus. That's well, okay, so let me let me clarify. I wasn't in like an owner box. I was in the club, the club the seating. Club that's seating. what yeah, it's called. Okay, the yeah. Club seating where I know what you, you know, mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's a little more fancy. It was way more fancy actually, yeah. you know, and there's a lot more flexing going on, yeah. but they're still, you know, they're still like, well, <laughs> you know, like we can't be giving them glass. We can't give them a Glen Karen to properly enjoy, you know, $90 scotch they're about to drink. Oh, uh, alcohol. Such a waste of money. Crazy. I had a short period of time where I was living the high life. And I was, you know, helping the operations for a restaurant group in town. And I was making good money. And I had uh, season tickets to the Blazers. And Selena and I were, you know, we'd go to the Blazers games. And then afterward, we'd go to this very fancy french restaurant for happy hour and happy hour mm-hmm. at the very fancy french restaurant is still more expensive than you know your normal restaurant than right than unhappy hour exactly and uh so yeah we'd go there and we'd get you know like a dozen oysters and i'd be drinking this japanese scotch and be like 11 12 bucks a glass and just i wasted a lot of money you know japanese whiskey's pretty bomb though it is delicious but i could go buy a bottle of it for 50 bucks instead of paying 12 bucks for you know right Right. I've, you know, I've just recently actually got into scotch because mm. I don't drink during the weeks anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, on the weekend. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I still have, I have dietary limitations. Yep. So all I can really drink is liquor. So I want to make like, I want it to be good. You know what I mean? Like a, a good, whatever, couple of snifters at that thing. And uh, I've been getting into scotch. I like it. I like, I like the smoky, I like the smoky scotch. Been really into the, Ardbeg and the Lagavulin 16 or whatever it's called. Yep, yep. Pretty bomb. I've been into it. I get it. My uh, So my grandpa was all about the Ballantines, which is kind of low shelf, but at the same time. So the key, as, as I've learned from any alcoholic, um, you know, functioning alcoholic through the years, is you find the best for the low price, right? Right. So it's like my, I have a, he's technically my cousin, um, but I always viewed him as an uncle. But he is, right. um, he's like a wine connoisseur and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got the $200 bottles over there, but I'm the $500 bottles. I'm not going to drink them, though. It's like, it's all about this $12 bottle right here, this $6 bottle right here, you know? Right, right. It's like, because <laughs> if they want to actually consume a good amount of it, you know? Right. Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, a scotch bottle is lasting me like now month month and a half you know what i mean it's like i'm just barely drinking it yeah these people are, are you know my grandpa was having a multiple scotches a day after 5 p.m that was his thing it's, it's 5 p.m somewhere you know you go right um but you know he was retired at, towards the end of his life right and stuff like that so you do, do what he wants yeah uh i can't really drink anymore like at all really what happened it started with the dietary you know stuff and uh-huh. it just progressed to where my stomach doesn't really handle alcohol anymore right and it's like you're done a while ago, I had a drink, and like I literally felt myself like get cold, mm-hmm. Phys- like instantly, physically felt ill. Went and threw up, and was like instantly felt better. And I was like, "Wow, whoa!" Like you've developed an allergy or something? Because I would drink beer, I would always fuck up my gut, and then I switched to cider. The yeast and stuff in the cider le- that would fuck with my gut, and so it switched to where I could only have hard alcohols. Now I can't even really drink, you know, whiskey in the same way anymore like i could drink well, i used to be able to drink whiskey straight or, or vodka straight, right but yeah whiskeys are are my thing like i like them when i do drink have you had the hard kombuchas yet i haven't been into the kombuchas 
I just not. I, I don't know. There's there's a couple there's a couple good there's a couple good ones that are out there though that are like really good like the app the apple bootscraft. If you can get your hands on some of that, the spiced pear. Okay. Bomb. Bootscraft. Bootscraft. Do you have any advice for uh, uh, young artists, you know, com- coming up in the world? What's your, I, I guess we talked about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about marketing. The things I've learned in doing this is I can't trust someone who hasn't thought about completely giving up like three times. That's a, that's a big one. Like, unless you've decided, unless you've been on reverb looking to sell your, uh, your, you know, your compressors and your mics and all that stuff. Like, unless you've been there like three times. You still, you're still not on the level, you know. <laughs> um, I'm also, I'm, I'm also now like I'm about to teach a class for the first time about music production. I work with the the Bridge organization. Uh, it's a nonprofit out of Olympia, yeah. and I really, I really like it. And uh, they've tapped me. They're like, "Hey, how would you feel about teaching a class on Ableton Live and production?" You know, like, oh, sweet. You know, that's a, that's a good curriculum. Um, I'm, I'm writing a curriculum for it. Sorry, uh, I'm right in the middle of it. Actually, I haven't. Haven't actually started teaching it yet, but the thing I've learned is there are kids that want, you know, there's kids like how I was in high school, you know, like nothing's going to stop me from making beats and there's not, not one thing, you know what I mean? Like if I don't have a computer, I'll go bang on some rocks and find a way to record it with a tape player, you know, my phone or something, you know, that's always how I've been. And unless you have that drive and that passion as a, you know, music creator, it's going to be real difficult, I think, to... You know, I mean, I'm 42. I'm not going to say that I'm, like, rich or anything like that because I'm not. But I definitely am making, like, adult money, you know? Like, I'm supporting a family off of Beats and Beats alone. And, you know, that didn't start till I was about 36, you know? It took till I was about 36 to get to that, to get to the place and be in the position where I'm actually able to do that consistently, you know? And uh, that that literally took me saying, I'm you know, not accepting defeat pretty much you know because and i mean even right before my daughter was born man i went there's a there's a point in fact you helped me move my studio remember when i had like that little studio down near um the moda center i had to move it to my house because i was having a kid yeah yeah. i was working like three different jobs because you know the lady was about to be out of work and i was gonna be supporting the family and i was like freaking out you know like literally it was up until that point like i still wasn't making adult money and then Luckily, I, I got into all the advertising stuff, and that was just like a whole, you know, like oh, whoa, I got all my time back. You know what I mean? Like I got all. I'm not, I'm not having to work 16 hours, 17 hours actually in the food carts. You know, like I'm uh, I'm doing. I'm just making beats now, and you know, it's been life changing. But it took a lot of perseverance, and it took a lot of like, you know, I'm constantly learning. I think that's another huge thing too. Is that if you're passionate about it. You'll always be learning about it, you know. Like I have some producer friends who are in the same spot they were in back in the early two thousands. You know, they they still know the same amount of stuff. They haven't bothered to like, you know. I'm like intrigued. I have like what around my studio? I have like fourteen different fourteen channels of compression. You know, all different types of compressors. I'm learning about that stuff constantly, and um, it it shows. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the way. That's the trajectory of my life has followed and you know because it's I've, I've been dragging it dragging myself to where i'm at right now and um you know i'll probably always be making music and so 
my advice would be just to not accept defeat because you're gonna you're gonna get some defeat completely you know there'll be times until you get to about that third time where you're like nope nope i'm not doing this i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to school and learn how to be an accountant or something like that you know what i mean like i'm just gonna go work it you know that was that was my thing always been my thing like nah screw it you know i'll just i'll be a networking administrator but yeah no not not allowing that to actually be the case and you know sticking through until you're like 36 not gonna say it's gonna happen for you but you know what i mean like it's definitely like a, it was a constant struggle up until then and then now the struggles are just different you know now i'm working you know about 12 hours a day doing what i love doing and i get to work from home so i'm able to be around my kids and you know just make it work but um yeah i don't know i don't know if that's advice in any way shape or form no persevere yeah i mean yeah yeah, yeah persevere there you go yeah. just persevere uh, even if you come across Savala's music and you have to mix it. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all had that that moment with, with someone. I remember even in sixth grade, like trying to skateboard for the first time. And, you know, like I'd been trying to do a kickflip for so goddamn long. And then one of our buddies came up and was like, oh, I've never skateboarded before. And he does a 360 flip later that day. What a jerk. And I was like, oh, okay. I hate you. You know, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hate you forever now, bro. Yeah, it doesn't mean I should stop skateboarding, but, you know, realistically no. I should have. But yeah. bad metaphor, I guess. Well, thanks for coming through. So is there anything that you want to plug? You you mentioned the bridge. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is like that, you know, if you want to donate, fine. You know, that's a, it's a nonprofit organization that I work with and for. Um, it's, the, you know, they take at-risk youth mm-hmm. and they um, basically teach them how to make music, put them through these workshops. And at the end of these workshops, I get to record them and, you know, or they... They get to go through beat making courses, and uh, right now I'm doing most of the production for the the organization. But I think once we get like these beat makers going through there, I'll be doing a lot less of the production for them. Uh, just be recording them and stuff like that. And I mean that's that's just something I'm kind of doing on the side. Most of my stuff is just production, commercials, and mastering. So if you need some mastering or some production, hit me up. I still kind of have a you know because I am kind of old school. Um, I don't have my beats up anywhere except my Google Drive because I just don't, you know, um, anytime I put my beats up online, they all end up getting stolen. And then, you know, someone who buys a beat from me goes to register their beat on YouTube or, you know, with content ID or whatever. And, you know, 10 other rappers have done done that already. You know what I mean? It's like super shady. So crazy how that still happens like all the time. I know. Like Wiz uh in seattle he that happens to him constantly it's it's so it's i've gone to a method and it you know my method works for me i'm not reaching as many people as i would if i was on youtube yeah but i don't you know i'd rather have quality you know people that i know or that has to get a hold of me directly uh getting my beat link and then going through the stuff you know and then it's like first come first serve uh people go through the drive all the time i upload probably two or three times a day you know, I have a pretty insane output as far as beats go. I think I got a beat from you, and I don't think I ever did anything with it. I think that I, it was unreleased. Really? When uh, when did you do that? I, let's see. If I have a new filing system, but I bet you I could find it. Let me see. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Have you produced all of the, the beats on all of your albums? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've never, I've, I've, I've never bought a beat from somebody. Actually, that's a Pale Soul is the only, I think... Yeah, Pale Soul is the only person who's produced a beat for me that I've rapped over on one of my albums. Well, the reason that I was that I was saying it was because I think that I never 
did anything with the beat because I was intimidated by it, which has happened to me before where I've purchased beats off of producers that uh -huh. were either had a reputation or just like I was scared to do something on it. And I think we also technically, I think we recorded a song that uh, never got released off of the the eccentrics album too me and me and jesus chris thanks for thanks for chatting with me yeah man no absolutely super fun good to hear from you good to see your voice see your face see, see your voice see your voice good to see your voice all right buddy uh, yeah i'll stay in touch uh, i ain't sorry for the way wait on my shoulders i can't understand why i'm so important Making sure my bystanders look gorgeous Hit my Lucy plug on my Motorola He's the only one giving me my shine Only psyching me out to pass the time Telling me I'm fine, but I don't feel fine Pussy ain't the only thing that's on my mind Crawling on my mind stand Eyes of cherry blossom in my head Flowers cover on my body Got me feeling like I'm dread Swipe a baggie of the cat And start to chew a couple grams Tell me it's a serpent Crawling by my night stand Rose gold on my tongue A hundred diamonds in my head Summer water dripping all on me Watch me do my dance, do my dance, do my dance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, could it be working? Ooh, 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 ooh. Could it be working? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Maybe. I need you to wait, wait, wait. It's getting too hot in here. I need me some space. I put the marmalade all on my juice. I took a hula to hoop. I took a tap of the truth. I took it back to the booth. I put a hand grenade under my shoe. I'm separating the men from Peru. I turn my back on the news. I took a tap of the truth Summer water dripping all on little mama, baby Winter winds don't need location Holy water sprinkled by the mama of a baby Meanwhile, your rosary was breaking Summer water dripping all on little mama, baby uh, uh. Summer water dripping all on little mama baby Tell me is there a serpent crawling on my mic stand Purple glitter on my 
is a cherry blossom in my head. Flowers covering my body, got me feeling like I'm dread. Swipe a baggie of the cap and start to chew a couple grapes. Tell me, is there a serpent crawling by my nightstand? Oh, no, body, yeah.